your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. If you enjoyed this episode and want to catch up on any episodes you've missed, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On today's episode, we have a couple of updates to discuss. The first we will cover is the NHL's return to play plan for 2021, which is looking to hit a few bumps early on. We all expected some difficulties in the NHL's plan to to have a 2021 season, but The one that we have just encountered has serious implications for whether or not we even have a season. After that, I thought it would be really interesting to discuss an article I just read about Borussia Dortmund and what constitutes success for a major sports franchise for a team like Dortmund. I think a lot of the principles and discussion points would actually make for a good analysis based on what we want from the Winnipeg Jets. And then to close us out, I thought I would take a look at some of the LA Kings' top playmakers, or perhaps what remains of them. But to get us started, let's take a look at what the NHL is currently experiencing in its new plan to start the 2021 season. The biggest challenge right now appears to be that Canada is refusing to allow the Canadian teams to play there. From what it sounds like, they don't want players crossing the border into Canada, especially anyone who is currently residing in the U.S. or elsewhere until things have calmed down, which means that, of course, there is no current ability to put these teams back together. And if they're not going to allow them to host major games in a couple of different bubble locations or cities, this would in fact mean that Canadian teams need to come down south to the U.S. and participate in a potentially bubble system. Now, the NHL isn't going to let this go. It sounds like they've just announced that they're looking to meet with the Canadian Board of Health and figure out if there's a way to get around this. The lack of a particular ability to to form Canadian bubbles and divisions would be a serious challenge to this whole plan because I think the NHL was sort of banking on this being a sealed sign and delivered thing and now that it's not this obviously creates an element of chaos that I don't think the league was expecting at this point because it's so late in the game I kind of wonder if we're even going to see January 13th as an actual start date I think the fact that Canada is not really looking to allow major uh, sporting events like this to take place is somewhat surprising I would have thought that they would have been trying to help the NHL plan out and whatnot as soon as possible, but it seems like their priorities are obviously elsewhere, which I think is good. I know I personally am not dying to have hockey back right now and can wait a few more months if it takes, but based on the MOU that the league has with the players, I think that they're going to have to find a way to have the season anyways. What I do wonder is how exactly that would work getting players over the border from Canada to the U.S., Most U.S. states right now are entering a serious lockdown, so unless there's a particular way that they can get them across with some sort of pre-screened options or whatever, I'm not really sure how they would get this plan underway. If the league can't get Canada to get on board with an all-Canadian division that has, like, some sort of temporary bubble solution where only the Canadian teams are playing together, I don't really know how the league is going to pull this off. You know, it's going to be hard to get them over the border to the U.S., and obviously the situation up north isn't doing that much better than what we're experiencing here. I really don't know what the NHL's plan for moving forward is, but the first step is going to be meeting with the Canadian Provincial Health Boards and figuring out 
if in fact there's a, a happy middle ground because obviously I think the league can't really exist without having some form of Canadian presence in this upcoming season. It's got to have that for a variety of logistical and pragmatic reasons, but if it's not possible, then I, I don't really know if they're just going to try and figure out a way to get over the border. I think that poses plenty of challenges in and of itself, but at this rate, I think January 13th is really ambitious. Might be time to start thinking about late January or even early February at this rate. On a semi-related note, we are seeing that Cole Perfetti playing for the Team Canada World Junior Squad has been moved to the third line with Connor McMichael and Peyton Krebs. Talk about an extraordinarily talented line. On the fourth line is Connor Zeri, Quinton Byfield, and Philip Tomasino. Imagine having essentially four first lines as your Team Canada squad. That's pretty crazy, man. I think Perfetti is going to love working with McMichael. Connor seems to be a really smart player who understands, at a very fundamental level, a lot of really good positioning things, sound passes, great decision-making, so it'll allow Perfetti to express himself a little bit more creatively. Having Krebs on the right side, who is as enormously talented as he is, will be such a boon for Perfetti and McMichael to start getting a lot of points. I'm not sure how much time on ice this line will get, but hopefully we get to see a lot of Cole Perfetti throughout the entire tournament, if it even happens. I'm pretty excited to see what Cole can do with a lot of talent. Obviously, we're expecting him to make the pro jump this season, just based on the circumstances, but if the 2021 season is in fact postponed or, or doesn't happen, obviously his debut is likely to be waylaid by just a little bit, but for now, we'll have to take what we can get with this World Juniors performance. I hope that, of course, he stays safe and healthy. We're seeing a lot of players getting sent home with COVID. Team Sweden, I think, has even had to send a manager home. For me personally, this tournament isn't worth it, and I feel like it's it's just too risky to have all of these kids traveling back and forth. It sounds like they're not even following very good COVID protocol. But for the time being, it is what it is, and we'll have to just live with it. Hopefully, Perfetti, you know, excels and stays healthy. We want to see him lacing up for the Jets in just a short bit, so wishing him all the best. Our last little bit of Jets update news is that Mikhail Berdin has signed for two years at around 750000 The first season is a two-way deal, while the second season is a one-way deal. So hopefully Berdin proves that he is in fact good enough to be the backup. I, I know a lot of people were wondering at some point if when the time comes, Hellebuck ends up being removed as the starter and Berdin takes over for the long-term future, but obviously I think Hellebuck is in net for a long time to come. And it's hard to know if Mikhail is actually going to translate to the NHL level. I think his KHL performance has been a little bit up and down, which is not surprising. He's a very young kid. He's been a stud at the AHL level, which is a very scrambly, very disorganized and chaotic sport. So maybe we'll see him with a little bit more team organization and a bit more predictable pattern play, whether or not that has some sort of impact on his performance. I think that he has all of the tools to be a really successful goalie. If Hellebuck does indeed start to decline or, or falters over the next few seasons, maybe Berdin gets a little bit more of a look, but I think he's going to be a very nice backup for the foreseeable future. And once Hellebuck starts to hit his 30s, Berdin will be there to step in, hopefully. We always know that goalie performance, for the most part, is very volatile year to year. We don't even know if Berdin is going to be successful at any level higher than the KHL. He's been okay there, but of course, it remains to be seen if he'll do well at the NHL level. I have high hopes he's got all of the tools and traits to be successful. And besides, who wouldn't want to see a goalie body check someone behind the net? Hoping for big things from the kid. That wraps up our current NHL and Winnipeg Jets updates. Up next, we'll do some analysis on an article I read about what defines success for a major sports team like, say, Borussia Dortmund, and how that might play out for a team like the Winnipeg Jets, who are actually in a somewhat similar position of having a really young team that some argue should be competing for a playoff spot 
Spot and even more. Before then, though, I wanted to tell you a little bit about Built Go. If you're a longtime listener of this podcast, by now you know that I'm personally a big fan of Built Bars, which are protein bars that are more like candy bars with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. Sometimes, though, when it comes to kicking down those daily walls that keep you from being your most productive self, you need more than just a healthy and delicious protein bar. You need that little extra boost of energy to get you going, and that's why I turn to Built Go. It comes in convenient one and a half ounce packages that you can store in your backpack, your golf bag, or anything in between. It's the healthy, all-natural, great-tasting alternative to those sugary energy drinks. It's five-hour energy without any of the crash. You can enjoy Bilko in three delicious flavors, including peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. It's fortified with collagen protein, beta alanine, B3, honey, caffeine, B6, and B12, so you have energy to keep kicking down walls all day. To get your hands on Bilko, visit Bilko.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, when checking out, don't forget, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at Bilko.com. Let's go! Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We've just covered some of the recent NHL updates in the previous segment, and now we're going to take a look at what I thought was a very interesting article about what defines success for a sports franchise like Borussia Dortmund, which doesn't really operate like an NHL team, right? In international football, you're allowed to buy and sell players to other teams, much like trading but with cash instead. So it does have a little bit in common with like trading players for prospects and stuff, but obviously the whole system and fundamental structure of football is different. What I thought was more salient to the Winnipeg Jets, though, is this idea of young teams needing to be successful while also ensuring that the environment around these players develops them properly into fully mature, you know, prime players down the road, which I think is a very interesting balance. When you look at a team like Dortmund, which has often been criticized for selling young talent and not really building a stable foundation to keep a a longer-term track of success, at least when it comes to competitiveness, I think it asks a really interesting question. When it comes to NHL teams, we actually see a lot of teams holding on to younger talent for much longer periods, and I think the Jets are a very special case because right now Winnipeg is kind of in a state of flux. Their team has often been thought of as very young when it comes to the rest of the league, but there are some troubling signs beyond the horizon. I think for one thing, the Jets don't really have a real defense right now. Of course, they're going to get some young prospects in who might be able to shift the tide and get the Jets' back line back on track. But we're also seeing guys like Patrick Laine continuing to improve, and yet he might be on the way out. We've lost Jacob Truba after he kind of developed into a a pretty good top four defenseman, but maybe not quite what we thought he was. And yet he'd still be a pivotal part of this blue line, and he's been shipped out to New York. And and so I think there's a bigger question of what exactly is Winnipeg's long-term vision of success for this team? Is it to stay competitive and be good enough just to make the playoffs, or do they really want to be more than what they are? For me, it's a legitimate question because I often look at the decisions that this team makes, especially in how it's being managed and how it's being coached, and I'm not really sure I understand the longer-term vision. I think that there are signs of of good things in in drafting guys like Cole Perfetti, Daniel Torgerson, bringing in some guys like Christian Veseline and hopefully from the Moose this year, uh, getting Vili Heinola back, back into the lineup, um, and maybe getting Dylan Sandberg in, right? So obviously a youth talent injection would be a very helpful thing for a team that right now is starting to look a little bit slow and long in the tooth. But with the rumors swirling around guys like Patrick Laine and some major departures over the past couple of seasons, I really don't know where the team is trending towards and what they think is successful. 
they're not going to have attendance inside the stands. So obviously revenue is going to be a bit depressed, right? Is it going to be finding a good trade partner for Patrick Line? Is that one of the overarching goals? You know, a lot of teams will say, oh, yes, our objective is always to win and, and get a title and win a Stanley Cup and make the playoffs, right? But obviously that may not be the case for every team. We've seen squads that want to tank and go for the bottom rate. They need to, to be at the bottom of the barrel to get a top pick and hopefully draft a, an elite franchise prospect. When it comes to the Jets, I'm kind of wondering if that's really where they want to be. I mean, they're obviously better than that. They have a roster that should be above, you know, bottom of the barrel, Detroit Red Wings kind of stuff. But last year they played like a lottery team more often than not. If I were an outside observer looking in and had no particular bias towards the Jets, I'd obviously be wondering how on earth the coaching staff still has its job. If this squad, which was contending for a cup title just a couple of seasons ago, is now looking to barely make it into the playoffs on the back of a goalie, I'm not really sure if that to me says there's a really good path to success for the future of this team. You know, it's not like world football where you regularly get rid of players who are oftentimes star-powered guys. For the most part, you're going to be keeping control over these younger players, and I think the Jets need to make the most of that. Keeping Paul Stastny is obviously a step in the right direction, but there's a lot more that needs to happen with this team, and time and time again, we don't really see management being super ambitious on the market. I, I think that that's one critical thing that is still holding this team back. I think that they can be better than they were last season, but the blue line hasn't really improved to the point where I would say, yeah, this team is in much better straits. They're bringing back Lucas Abisa, who's basically a black hole in defense, and the guys that they're bringing in are, for the most part, untested prospects. Vili Heinola is probably the only one who I would trust to be a fairly reliable guy right off the bat, and even he'll have his moments where he gets overwhelmed. I think Forbert is a very solid addition and, and probably pretty underrated and very cheap, but obviously he's probably not viewed as a long-term option either. So with this team, I just don't really know. For me, I think success needs to be bare minimum a playoff spot and not just like a crappy low-end wildcard spot. I think that they need to be one of the more competitive teams in whatever division they'll be playing in. If it's an all-Canadian division, I feel like the Jets should on paper have enough talent to at least be in the top four or so of that ranking, if not higher. And if it's against the Central Division, I still think that they could crack somewhere in that top four space. The reality is I don't think that they will. I think that this team is still going to have some of the same issues it's always had, and I don't really know if Paul Maurice is going to let this team do what it does best and go full offense, full speed, at high pressure. It's very frustrating because I think the Jets have a lot of horses that they can take to the races, but they still keep them reined in far too much for my liking, and I think that that's something that's been very characteristic of Paul Maurice's entire tenure. 2017-18 was the only time that he really felt comfortable kind of unshackling his players and letting them go do their thing, but it still didn't quite lead to the kind of success that we were looking for. Obviously, it takes a lot of fortune to make the cup finals and actually win the cup, and the Jets were you know, just a couple steps from that. But since then, the Jets, to me, have frankly fallen very short of expectations for what a successful NHL franchise with as much talent as the Jets have should be accomplishing. This team needs to be a regular playoff contender and not just an appearance maker. It's not enough to show up to the dance. You actually have to make some noise and draw some attention to yourself, and I think the Jets haven't really done a good enough job doing that. If this season is to be a success, they need to actually put on a really good show and prove that they are a team that should be reckoned with. Make it through a playoff round. I think they were very unlucky against the Flames and some of the stuff that happened, but it's not just the that season that's been an issue. They've had a couple of years where they just... They made the playoffs and then they got ousted almost immediately. They still have a roster that I think can do more than what it's shown so far, but we still have yet to see them really put on that kind of performance, and I don't know if this season is going to be particularly successful from what we're hoping for. 
I don't want to be pessimistic, but I just don't have a whole lot of confidence in this squad's ability to really prove the doubters wrong and move beyond where they are now. Hopefully my concern is all for naught and that they actually advance past round one and maybe even deeper than that, but it remains to be seen if we even have an NHL season next year, so perhaps the stress is all for nothing. I'd be curious to know your thoughts about NHL success and what it means for the Winnipeg Jets, so be sure to let me know at HLLivingLocal on Twitter and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets also on Twitter. If you have some thoughts, I might share them on the upcoming episode this weekend of the next Locked on Winnipeg Jets show. In the meantime, though, we're going to be continuing our most creative playmaker series, which is actually going to come back in just a moment with a look at the Los Angeles Kings and what remains of their top playmaking talent. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing today's episode out, continuing our most creative playmaker series. And on this episode, we're taking a look at the Los Angeles Kings. And the Kings don't have a whole lot on their team that you might say is qualified as a top end playmaker. They will, however, be getting some top-end prospects entering the team in just a season or so. Obviously, Quentin Byfield's one of the big ones, Gabriel Alardi is another one, but I suppose I can't really call them uh, the most creative playmakers yet because they're not even in the NHL. Not where at least I think Velarde might have had a couple of games, but we won't rush the hype train too much on him just yet, even though I personally have very high hopes if he can stay healthy. As far as the active roster is concerned, though, I think, of course, Anze Kopitar easily takes the top playmaker spot. Kopitar is definitely on the wrong side of 30, and he's slowed down quite a bit, but he can still be such a dominant two-way center with an elite release, great passing, great forechecking ability, and just incredible sense to understand where his teammates are, where his positioning is in relation to those teammates, and how to use the lanes and lines between them to create excellent offensive opportunities. He's probably one of the more underappreciated two-way centers in the league. I think that even though he has the reputation of being a guy who's likely to be a Hall of Famer someday, he doesn't get talked about as much for being such a really good player. In possession, he's very smart and understands where he needs to essentially get the puck to to create really good offensive opportunities. And he can really pull off some incredibly elegant passes, even if his teammates occasionally struggle to finish him off. He has a great shot too, and he's not afraid to use it. And he's just somebody who, when he, when he's in possession inside the offensive zone, has all of these different tool sets to break down an opponent. I'd also be remiss not to mention Adrian Kempe, who I think has developed into a really fine young winger. Kempe kind of came out of, I believe, their AHL system uh, and, and developed into a really good two-way prolific scoring winger with really good puck smarts, good positioning, nice edge work and acceleration, and just a really well-rounded offensive game. He's got very clean passing, he's got good shooting, he has good spatial awareness and IQ. He's a guy that you would want on just about any top six out there. And I think Kempe's continued importance for the Kings is going to be even more highlighted by the lack of Tyler Toffoli on the roster. I think Kempe is expected to carry that torch of being a really good playmaking wing. And obviously those are big shoes to fill because Toffoli, at his best, was one of the top wingers in the NHL. I will say that I think Gabe Velarde is going to take a spot here pretty soon. I think Velarde is already putting up some pretty nice numbers. He's been a really great player at the AHL level. And of course, when he was in the juniors, he was an extremely dominant scoring two-way offensive force, and I think that's going to translate at the NHL level. He's already got seven points in ten games, obviously an extremely small sample size, but he wasn't far off from being a point a game at the AHL level. The Kings are desperately in need of playmaking centers with really good vision and good scoring instincts, which I think Villardi will have in spades. He's got very solid edge work. He's not like the world's most fleet of foot player, but I don't think he really needs to be. I think he's just a really good creator who can get into 
really good spaces off the puck, and that's going to be something very valuable to a team that needs a lot of versatility from the few high-end offensive threats that they have. Byfield will be an even bigger force down the road, but obviously I don't know when he's going to start having that immediate NHL impact. It might take him a little bit to get up to speed, especially at this level, but he's got all of the tools to be one of the best centers in the league and certainly one of the best centers since Kopitar to to really carry this Kings franchise forward. There aren't too many other players that I would classify as elite playmakers. You could probably give an argument for guys like Drew Doughty and some of the others, but for now, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Before you log off, be sure to check out some of our other wonderful podcasts. I highly recommend checking out Lock. Locked on Bets, which is your premier live betting update podcast to give you all of the best eats and lines so you can put your money where your mouth is and get the best rewards, especially if you think Patrick Liney is scoring that hat trick against Dallas yet again. As always, thanks so much for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.